Hey Siri, remind me to pick up milk on the way home. Hey Siri, remind me about ballet practice at 5 p.m. Hey Siri, remind me to ask mom if I can borrow her car for Friday. Hey Siri, remind me to call the body shop. Hey Siri, remind me to take out the trash tonight. Siri, hey 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 we're going to answer some practical questions about the Christian life. You know, we're busy, right? We, we've already established that over the last couple of weeks. We're all busy. It's nonstop. And I think that we should be busy to a certain extent. We should have stuff going on. We should be productive citizens in America, in our families, in our jobs. We should have things going on. But the problem is that sometimes we get, we get distracted by the busyness. We get distracted from the things that matter. And then we end up playing catch-up ball. Or we just kind of lose sight of what really matters altogether. And, uh, and so, so the book of Ephesians, the way that Paul is writing this, he's writing this to a culture a lot like ours. A lot of times we look at old historical books and old biblical books and we're like, man, that's, that was a long time ago. And uh, they lived much different than we do. They thought much different than we do. But the reality is, is that if you look, <laughs> they actually had a very similar uh, 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 society as we do. They were multi-ethnic. They had people from all sorts of different religions coming together. Uh, there was a lot of, like we talked about last week, a lot of pluralism, a lot of Greek mythology was all up in the, in the times. And so, you remember we talked about the whole bumper sticker, coexist, right? Like, you see that every now and then. I mean, that's exactly what's going on now. Hey, what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. And Paul is writing the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus during this time. And so it's almost like Paul is writing this directly to us today. And uh, so I'm excited about this book. I'm excited to get into it. So without further ado, why don't we do that? Like, why don't we actually get into it? So if you got your Bibles with you, turn up uh, to Ephesians chapter one. Uh, we'll, have, we'll be covering verses 15 through 23 today. And so, uh, so here we go. Ready? All right. All right, we're ready. We're ready. Last week, we answered the question, why do we worship? This week, we're gonna, answer, uh, we're gonna ask a different question. Every week, it's gonna have a, an umbrella question. And today, we're gonna be talking about what we pray for. Because verses 15 through 23 is really just a prayer. That's what Paul is doing. He is praying over the Ephesians. And so let's start in verse 15. He says, for this reason, which again is really verses three through 14, what we covered last week. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, your persuasion in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, how many times have you heard that? Something bad happens in your life, it's on Facebook and people say thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, you know, even if it's like I'm going to the dentist, thoughts and prayers, you know? I mean, straight up atheists are like thoughts and prayers. It's like, to who? <laughs> to, <laughs> I don't know. But, but we say that, and really what that is, for a lot of people, they don't really pray. Come on, y'all. Come on. How many of you have ever said, I'm praying for you, and you didn't pray? Let's, look at you honest people and also liars. <laughs> like, that's what you are. That's what you are. This is for you today. But, right, it's like thoughts and prayers. Paul says, I remember you in my prayers. I think Paul actually meant it, though. Now, prayer is nothing more than just communicating with God. 
If we could just kind of sum it up with that, it's communicating with God. You don't have to have certain words, a certain thing going on to pray. You could pray anywhere at any time. You can communicate with God. I believe that the time that we just had, our praise is another form of prayer. It's another way of communicating with God. And so, um, so in verse four, uh, 17, uh, Paul says what he's praying about to believers. Now, here's the deal. Um, years ago, a, a leader told me, he said, you don't really know someone until you hear them pray. Like you can hang out with somebody, you can, you know, whatever, but whenever you hear them pray, that's whenever you actually hear what's really on their heart. For some people, you hear their lack of ability to pray. It's like, uh, hey man, why don't you go ahead and pray for the food? Jesus? <laughs> I pray for this food? How do you do this? You know, it's like, I don't think you pray that much, all right? You don't know how to pray. But also, uh, you can kind of learn a lot about, about somebody by the priority list of their prayers, right? They, they start praying, and, and, and maybe it's just about them, right? Like, nobody likes to be in a conversation with somebody who all they want to do is talk about themselves, right? You, you ever, like, after about 15 minutes of every question that you ask, they, like, go on for five minutes about themselves, and they never actually return the favor and ask about you. You kind of realize what's going on there. You're like... We're talking about you right now. And sometimes, sometimes there are people, our, our prayer lives are like that. We talk about ourselves. We talk about our comfort. We pray for what we want. And, and honestly, we're not really praying. We're not, <laughs> I don't think we really view ourselves as talking to God, a, a living, breathing, you know, our a God that's, that's with us, okay? Now, but, but here's the deal. When it comes to prayer, we learn about priorities. And, and Paul's priorities are getting communicated right here. So I think it's important that we kind of dial in what are the pri- what's on the priority list for Paul. And for, for you Christians who've been around a long time, all right, like you maybe feel like you've kind of graduated past some things, okay? But we're gonna learn what we should be praying for as well, okay? So, so verse 17, he prays this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation or insight in the knowledge of him, the knowledge of God, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul's list, his priority list, first off, it starts with this, that ultimately we should pray to know God. Is that mind-blowing to you today? Like, we should pray to know God. Actually, this is our mission statement here at Northwood Church, is uh, to help people to know God. And, you know, you know, guys, I mean, if you've ever, like, maybe started a business or, or maybe... You know, you're trying to like sum up what it is that you do. You're like, what's our mission? Like, what's our, like, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? What's our goal? And, uh, and, and honestly, we, we had this conversation years ago. It's like, what are we really trying to do? And if you guys have been around churches very much, you know that these, these mission statements, man, they can get, uh, they can get pretty lengthy, I mean, it's like a paragraph of the mission. It's like, man, I'm never going to remember that. And, uh, and I'm kind of dumb too, so I had to make something that I could remember. And uh, <laughs> do you guys really think I'm dumb? That's re- like you're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> like, ha you're not dumb. <laughs> like, no, it's actually, uh, no, no. Something concise. And, and honestly, it was like, man, we exist to help people know God. And that's a, that's a large spectrum because it's a large situation. Some people need to know that God exists. Like don't, they don't even believe that there's a God and, and others believe that there is some sort of God, but again, maybe it's like some mythological creature somewhere, right? They need, which God? Big G, little G, right? Then, then it's, is it the God of the Bible? Like, is, is that the God that we're talking about? And, and then you progress towards there, is, is Jesus God? Or is he just a man? And then is, 
Is God really a personal God that cares about my life? Helping people know God is a big job to do, y'all. And we're all commissioned to do that. That's why we exist, to help people know God. And that's really our, our mission statement. But in order to help people know God, I think that we need to know God first, right? It's sort of an important piece of the puzzle. D.A. Carson said this, what is the greatest need in the church today? The one thing we need in Western Christendom is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. That's what he said. It's very simple, but it is a, it's a big problem, y'all. We got a lot of people who know of God but don't really know God. There's a big gap between that. Colossians 1, 9, and 10, Paul reiterates this, and he reiterates pretty much the same thing through a lot of the, the New Testament. But he prays that, that God would give them wisdom so they can continue to grow in the knowledge of God. Guys, there's at, at, never point, at, at any point do you ever arrive at knowing God. If you feel today that you sort of just plateaued and leveled out because your knowledge is, you've reached a place of, I've got this, um, that's really just a, a sign of pride. And it's time today to kind of admit that there's more to learn. There's more to know about God. He is so vast. So let's stay hungry for God, to know him more. But if you sum up the Christian life, it's about knowing God and making him known to others. And even there, there we, we, we want to know God, but sometimes we skip that next step, which is making him known to others. And the way that we live, the way that we act like, yeah, we should learn about God, not just for ourselves, but to learn him so that we can communicate him to others, to make him known to others. But we can have a head knowledge of God without it being a heart understanding of God. I, I think the best way I could put it is this. Uh, all of us pretty much are on social media in some way, shape, or form. It's just kind of the way it is. And um, have you ever, somebody sent you a friend request and you never met them face-to-face, -face, but like after a year, you sort of feel you know them. Like you're kind of like, oh, there's the, the kids and the job and they like to go over here and this is like, and you feel like you kind of know them. And so if you see them in a store, you're like, hey man, yeah, dude, we, we're on social media. And like, yeah, we know each other, sort of. You don't know them. <laughs> you don't really know them. I mean, you know about them, you know? And, and even for me, you know, I went to high school, obviously, and, and, and with a lot of people that I lost contact with. And you know how it is over like eight years after you graduate, all of a sudden you start friending each other and the whole network starts connecting again. And, and all of a sudden it's been 15 or 20 years since I've seen some of these people. And uh, yet for some reason, I, I feel like we all know each other, <laughs> like still, you know? And so we see each other or whatever and it's like, hey man. And so the person that you're talking to, you think it's the same person that you knew in high school. You're different and they are different. You don't know each other anymore. Like everything's changed. People do that with God. They, they had an experience with God like 15, 30 years ago, whatever. And, and they're still kind of riding off that wave and, and they think that they still know God. The deal is, is that they have drifted so far away from knowing him and they've ingested so, so many other ways of thinking and belief systems that they don't actually know God. They know about him. They have some sort of figment of their imagination type of thing going on, but it's not the God of the Bible anymore. Anytime that somebody says this, I just can't see that God would do that. And it's explicitly there in scripture. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's not big G God anymore. It's little G. You have created some sort of your own God. And if he doesn't fit inside that understanding, you're like, no good. It's not God, right? 
What does the heart of understanding of God look like, though? J.I. Packer said this. He described it like this in a book named Knowing God, all right? Those who know God have four characteristics. Listen to it. Great energy for God, great thoughts of God, great boldness for God, and great contentment in God. Energy, thoughts, boldness, and great contentment in God. Is that what our lives look like? Do we have energy? Do we have boldness for God? Do we have contentment in God? You know, we just talked about it a couple weeks ago, that we should be content in Christ, right? We talked about envy and covetousness and all that, and, and I think this is one of those things right here. It's, it's, are we content in who God is, what he's done for us, that if he never does anything else for us, that we still love him and serve him and worship him? Do we have energy for God? Great thoughts for God. Now, this is something that nobody else sees except you. You know. Do you think about God? Do you, do you meditate on the scriptures? Do you pray? Do you have a communion, right? A communication with God? Or is it Sunday morning? This is it. This is your, this is your communication with God. If this is it, man, I don't, I don't, honestly, if this was it for me, I don't know that I would have stayed I'm not one of those people who could just do something that I don't believe in, right? And I'm not gonna do something because somebody else thinks I should. And you know, for some of you, you might be the type of person that you, you'll do anything to the day that you die just because it's what you're supposed to do. But it's not something that really is, is you're not connected with it. And maybe today is the day that you can be honest and say, you know what, I, I don't know that I really know God. I like the idea of knowing God but he's like a social media request that I got a long time ago and I don't really understand him. How can we know a God like this though? How, can, how does this look? Well, Paul answers this question. He answered it by saying that we need God to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and illuminate the eyes of our heart. That's what we need God to give us. Now, I think it's important that we start off with saying this, that Paul says we need God to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Some people think that they are going to mentally ascend up to some place that they will comprehend God and that it's all in their own strength. The problem is, is that's not really biblical. Like we actually rely on God to give us a spirit of wisdom to help us understand who he is. I like this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, apart from the spirit, it is easier to teach a tiger vegetarianism than an unregenerate person the gospel. I'll read it again for some of you. Apart from the spirit of God, it is easier to teach a tiger to eat vegetables only than a person who has not been born again, a person who isn't saved, who isn't transformed by the power of God, that person, the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's amazing how on Sunday mornings we can teach and some people come alive in it and they're like, yes. And other people are just like, you got something else? Like, this isn't really doing it for me. I need the quick three-step program, man. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think God kind of gave us one big step. 
Right? It's called Jesus. <laughs> it's called the good news. And there's ways to apply that, of course, but you guys know what I'm saying. It's like, give me something else, preacher. And it's like, like Paul says, I don't have a lot of other things to give you. There's not a lot of other things to give you. We'll frame it. We'll teach it. We'll do our best. But at the end of the day, a lot of it comes through revelation. And that's why we pray that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and illuminate the eyes of our heart. We need a revelation from God to truly know God. We need a revelation from God to truly know God. In the book of Luke, there's a, a story where obviously Jesus has, he has died at this point. It's Luke chapter 24. He, he's died. He's been raised again. And when he comes back to life, by the way, when Jesus came back to life, a lot of people saw him. It wasn't like just some random person that just decided to write a couple of scriptures. I'm talking hundreds, maybe even thousands of people saw Jesus walk the face of the planet again after he had already gone to the tomb. And so he, he comes back to life. He's, he's walking down this road to the Emmaus and he's, he's linked up with some of his followers, okay? The deal is, is that they don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. So they're walking down the road. They're talking to this guy about this guy named Jesus who died and all this kind of stuff. And, and this guy who is Jesus is like, really? Okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> you know? And uh, so they're talking, and, and he begins to explain the Messiah through the Old Testament. He begins to walk through all of this, and these guys are like, wow, this is incredible. It's a really good story. Man, we don't know. And, and they sit down, and they begin to eat with him, and he breaks the bread, and he, and he begins to eat. And all of a sudden, uh, it says in verse 31 of chapter 24, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then as only Jesus could, he vanished from their sight. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? They start reflecting back like, that's why we were sitting there talking to him and something inside of us was coming alive as he was taught. Like what, faith was coming alive in them. They were beginning to see in scripture that Jesus was the Messiah. They just didn't realize that he was standing in front of them. And then whenever you, you skip forward to verse 45, it says, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds. We need the Holy Spirit to even illuminate the scriptures that we read to us. Like every single step, we are reliant upon the Holy Spirit. Even whenever we read the word of God, that it would actually come alive. How many of you guys have had this experience? I've talked to many people who've said the same thing. Is this, they read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible their whole life, and it's just weird. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. They're like, I get the stories, they sound cool. It's like Sunday school, flannel graphs, Jonah, whale. I don't know if that's real. Like all this stuff, they're just trying to calculate everything. And it's like, eh, eh, eh. and then all of a sudden one day, they get saved. It might've not been like in a church service. It might've been in a small group or in their car or whatever. All of the seeds that were planted in their life came to a moment where God revealed himself to them. And how many of you have heard somebody say this? The next time they went and read the Bible, it like every single sentence mattered. Every story was like, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit illuminating the eyes of someone's heart. If you've experienced that, that's what that is. That is Jesus showing himself to you. That's why we praise God. That's why we worship him. That's why we thank him. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us. We need his spirit for wisdom and for revelation. 
There's a man named Watchman Nee. I want to read an excerpt from, from one of his books. Uh, matter of fact, you know, if you've never read any of Watchman Nee's stuff, I'd encourage you. He was a, uh, a man who lived in China back in the day and wrote some incredible books. He, he actually was pretty much ended his life in prison for preaching the gospel. And, uh, but he wrote some things that were just really incredible. And, uh, and this is one of them, um, talking about the spiritual man. But he said this, only by receiving revelation in our spirit do we really know God. It is the same with many doctrines in the Bible. Many times we understand teachings in our mind and know that they're important, but God gradually reveals these words to us in our spirit. Then it seems as if we have a different emphasis when we preach the same words again. Only knowledge that comes from revelation is real knowledge. Everything else is just the activity of the mind. You know when you're trying to put those pieces together and you're like, ah, what? And you feel like there's just this barrier between you and truly understanding something in the Bible or, or you know, you're like, ah, ah. do you ever in those moments just stop and pray and say, God, I'm not understanding this and I need you to help me understand this. Reveal this to me, but not just in a head knowledge way and a heart understanding type of way. I heard somebody say this the other day. This is for all you public speakers out there who maybe you're, in, you know, you're, you're giving public speeches and, and whatnot. And, and, um, and, and some people even say it about whenever we teach. They're like, how do you guys remember all this stuff? Well, this is how. This guy said this, don't memorize your speech, understand it. Don't memorize your speech, understand it. You see, whenever you understand, whenever you have revelation knowledge of something, Right? When we're talking about the Bible and we're talking about theology and, and, the, and, and, and Christianity, it's revelation knowledge. But honestly, some of this can still apply to your own, your own life as well when it comes to public speaking. Understand what you're talking about, and then you're not hooked to the notes all the time. Right? This applies whenever you begin to preach the gospel to people that you're close to. Can you actually talk to someone about what you believe, or do you need some sort of script? If you need a script, if there's no word inside of you like to come out, then it, you might be caught up in some sort of head knowledge and it's not, it's not here. You know what I'm saying? Understand what it is. That's really, that's, what, that's why we're walking through the word of God, that we would truly understand what we believe, not just have some sort of quick fix thing, but truly get what Jesus has done for us. And then as we understand that, it is gonna flow out in every area of our life. You believe that? You can't truly understand God by trying to make him fit into your predetermined box, all right? Now, we all do this to, from time to time. I do it a lot. I've got this, this box, and I understand how God operates in it, right? And then all of a sudden, something happens that doesn't fit inside that box, and now I've got a problem. Am I going to say, nope? Now, if it's unbiblical, I've got no problem saying that's not God. But I'm talking about the stuff that's like, is that God or not? Don't know about that one, actually. I'm going to leave room for Jesus to do what he does, right? <laughs> and, but, but I honestly think this. I think that today, y'all remember the story back in the Bible where it's the Tower of Babel and they're trying to build this, this tall building to get to the gods or get to God, right? And, and, and we see that, we laugh about it, we're like, ha-ha, idiots. I think that today our Tower of Babel is just intellectualism. I think it's our Tower of Babel. I think that we think that we can truly figure anything out. Give us enough time, give us enough Google, and we'll get to the bottom of it, right? I mean, I got this thing, <laughs> you know? 
I think the same thing happens in the church. A tower of Babel, which is our theology. If I can't, if it doesn't fit in my theology, all right, that I've had for 75 years, you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've arrived, then it can't be God. And it's like, you know what? That's, that's just another form of intellectualism. And some people, some people actually study theology not to know God, just to know about him so they can prove themselves to other people. Theology is about knowing God, the study of God, to know him more, not to know about him to be able to win some debate, right? You should approach God by saying, God, I don't know anything in and of myself. Show me who you are. Humility, teachability. Verse 18, he goes on. Talked about having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope or the expectation to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The next thing that we pray for, we pray to know the hope of God's calling, the riches of God's inheritance and the greatness of God's power. We wanna know God, right? We need to have revelation of him. But what, we, what do we want to know? What do we wanna pray for? That we would know his hope, his riches, his inheritance and the greatness of his power. Paul prays that they would know the hope of God's calling, his calling, his calling. Not, not our calling, not what I wanna do, what God wants me to do, right? I, I know a lot of us, we throw around this term, our calling. My calling is this, my calling is that. And, and I just wanna say this, because this is how I look at what my calling is. In my, instead of saying calling and, and maybe like passion, because a lot of times we talk about passion, it's a lot of dreams and a lot of positive, like, yay. Um, I like to say it like this, what am I burdened with? What's the thing that I can't shake? What's the thing that when I wake up in the middle of the night or I get up the next morning, what's the thing that's on me? That's a burden. Years ago, um, a man gave me a a word of knowledge, I guess, or or a a prophecy. And he said, he said, God's gonna give you a burden that's gonna produce passion. And that, that equation, that sequence right there has really stuck with me. God, what is it that you're burdening me for? Not that I'm always excited for, right? Because that's what we like. I like those types of burdens, the ones that make me smile. The problem is, is I've never had a burden that make me smile, okay? I don't know about you. Like, I mean, you never seen somebody like carrying like a, you know, like sandbags and they're just like, this is awesome. (laughs) This is great, right? No, like they are being strengthened by what they're carrying. And sometimes the calling of God, it's more of a burden than it is some sort of happy, clappy passion. We have a calling. We need to know the hope of God's calling. It's his calling us to a new way of living with a glorious future hope. Our hope, y'all, at the end of the day can be summed up with eternity with God. Heaven, being with God. Our next mission, right? Some people think we're gonna sit on clouds. I don't think that we're gonna sit down very much at all, honestly. I think we're gonna have a mission. God is a God of, of progress and of growth. I think we're gonna have something else going on. This isn't a message about heaven today. But you want hope, 
We all want hope, right? I believe that the gospel is hope. I believe that the good news of Jesus is hope. And a lot of times our hope is often exposed in tragedy, right? Yesterday, we just had a funeral service for Miss Marie Walgast, and she was a member here for many, many years. And uh, I shared this last week um, in her final days, she talked more about Jesus than uh, I think a lot of us talk about in Jesus in a year sometimes. I mean, she was just preaching. And uh, she was, they said uh, yesterday in the service, Miss April said that um, she, had, she had had a massive surgery. They still had her chest open and, and you know, she was all hooked up and, and she was losing strength and um, they had worship music playing and, and they said this, she's super special, man. Uh, said she couldn't move her arms, she didn't have enough strength, but, but she was moving her feet to the rhythm of the song. She was praising God with her feet. I mean, to the, to the last breath, she was praising God. And, and this is what I saw last week whenever we were there. Um, they thought she was going to pass on Monday. <laughs> and uh, she was a strong woman. I mean, man, she didn't quit. And, um, but but the, the, the hope that I saw was her confident hope in the gospel and the good news of Jesus, that she was going to go see him. She was going to heaven. And I'm going to be honest, it just really, it, it messed with me in a good way encouraged me. And, uh, but it was confident hope. The only hope that withstands the power of death is the hope found in the power of the gospel. It's the only thing that can stand up against it. Why? Because Jesus overcame death. Paul prays that we would know this hope. Some of you today, that's my prayer, that you would know this type of hope. Paul prays that they would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I think it's important that we know and we understand that the, the glorious inheritance of heaven and, and all that God has is found in Christ. You'll remember that Paul is gonna say in Christ, in him, because of him, through Christ 36 times in the book of Ephesians and he continually anchors us to Jesus. Even this inheritance that we speak about, heaven is an inheritance for those who place their faith in Jesus. And we need to know that all that God has is ours in Christ. Paul prays also that they would know the greatness of God's power. Ephesus was known as a place where there was a lot of magic. We remember last week we talked about the cult of Artemis and, and, and we just mentioned about Greek mythology and all of these, these types of, this type of thinking was prevalent in this culture. And so people were talking about the different powers. Look, they would worship their emperors. All right, they would deify them. And so they had this big mindset of just power and this and that. And, and nowadays we sort of just take power and, and, and whenever we talk about it, it's usually just some sort of black magic type of thing. It's some movie. And a, a lot of us in here, maybe we don't even believe in all that. We think that all of that is sort of just like a figment of somebody's imagination or just in a movie. Like, oh, I don't believe in demons and all that kind of stuff. I'd like to kind of challenge that and tell you that that stuff is very real. It's very active. And so whenever we say the word power here, um, Paul's referring to this type of thinking. He said, here's the deal though. Like you need to understand the greatness of God's power, that, that he trumps all of that. He is above all of that power. Anything that you've seen, God is greater than that. And, and he says that God's power was revealed in the greatest way whenever Jesus was raised from the dead and then seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. I think out of everything, the greatest power is whenever something overcomes death. You know, you, you watch Marvel movies or whatever and somebody dies and you're like, oh, come on, raise him back. And you're like rooting. You know, isn't it a letdown whenever they can't raise him from the dead? You're like, oh, but then you get the person else and they walk and they're just like, and they're like, yes, right? 
awesome. By the way, I haven't seen Endgame yet, so don't ruin it for me. Don't, don't ruin it. This Tuesday is when it comes out for rental. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see. I have high expectations to see all the little broken pieces of people come back together. Don't tell me if they come back together or not. I have hope. <laughs> right? Rip, rip that thing off his hand. Right? But that's what we're hoping for. Like, come back to life. And God did that with Jesus, but not in some comic book in real life. Verse 21 Talk about this power far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, which I think is awesome for us. It wasn't just for back then. By the way, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit did not expire with the Bible. All right, I need everybody to know that, that like, like the things that you read about in the word of God, right? The gifts of the spirit, the, the outworking of healing, the, the power of God over sin and disease is still at play today. Okay, it didn't expire. And so Paul is saying for, for, for this age, yes, but also in the age to come and also in eternity, which is really the age to come that we believe in and we are shooting for and hoping for. That's why, guys, don't ever be uh, thrown off by what you see or don't see in this age today because at the end of the day, this isn't heaven. This isn't the end. All right, we're gonna see some things that confirm things and we're gonna see some things that cause us to go, wait, why didn't it happen this time? We don't know, we trust God though, right? Verse 22, he put all things under Jesus's feet, under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Come on, y'all, the called out ones. Jesus has been given to us. He's given all authority to him, which is his body. We are Christ's body the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we have access to God's power through Jesus. We're gonna talk about spiritual warfare in the end of chapter six, which is in November. So we're gonna get into spiritual warfare. It's a reality in our life. And so he's gonna come back to that. But sin, death, disease, all of it, God's power is greater. God's power is greater than the intelligence of man. All right? All right, whenever you think that all the scientists have figured it out, they haven't, don't fear. But a new article came out this week that said, yeah, and another one will come out the next week and say, yeah, but that really is lacking this. Right? Come on. I hear Christians sometimes, oh, man. They're trying to play God. I'm like, there ain't nobody who can play God. All right? He's got a, he's got a very, he's got a big blockade between what we can do and what he, only he can do. And uh, it's not going to change. So don't fear all that. Don't get all weird. And <laughs> I mean, do y'all read the same news stories that I read? Do y'all have the same conversations that I have? It's like alarmists, you know? You know, God's going God's to come back one day. He's going to send Jesus back one day. That's what the Bible says. And we don't know when that is. We don't know when that is. And uh, a lot of people say they know when that is, but we don't know. And a lot of people study when he's gonna come back and they try to figure it out. And, and I think it's great. I think that we should talk. I think that we should have our eyes set to eternity. But um, you know, when I, I read the things that Paul talks about, what he emphasizes, I think it's important that we, that we understand what God emphasizes. I mean, what, what Paul emphasizes in the word of God. And... Um, and the thing that Paul emphasized, the thing that is emphasized is heaven, the gospel, 
knowing God, the Great Commission, equipping and maturing believers, right? And, and there, there's a few things that talk about end times. There's, there's a couple spots that talks about the gifts of the Spirit. But when you look at what the Bible talks about most, we have to look at what the Bible emphasizes because it should be emphasized in our hearts. And so I'm saying all that to say, you know, guys, don't run a bunch of rabbit trails. Like, don't get too crazy and all the things. Look, guys, you, you can Google and, and search a bunch of crazy stuff out there. And people have given their whole lives and all, of that, all that they have, and they've committed themselves to a couple of really, honestly, small things in the scope of what the Word of God says. And they, and they lean into that, and it becomes their doctrine. It becomes everything. And then they, if you don't do that, if you don't talk about it, if you don't, if you don't then you're not, you're not right. If you don't have a, a giant prophetic, then you're not doing anything, Right? But then people will say, if you don't see this happening, then you're not doing anything. And I just wanna, I wanna help you guys out with that. Like, don't get caught up in all that, all right? Is there truth in it? Absolutely, absolutely. But man, we gotta, we gotta start off on the right foot. So when it comes to the power of God, it's real. And he trumps everything that we see, that we know. Even our own intellect, all right? Y'all with me on that? What do we pray for? I'm gonna kind of combine everything together. We pray to know God. Today, I believe some of you are gonna get to know God. We pray for him to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Some of you today, you need to pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding and revelation to who he is and how he operates we need the eyes of our hearts illuminated so that we can know the hope of God's calling, the riches of God's inheritance that he has given to us as believers, and the greatness of God's power. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads. I want to pray for you. God, we open up our hearts to you right now. We thank you for changing us. God, I thank you for your word that comes against some of our thinking, confirms some of our thinking. God, right now, we pray that you would continue to align this church with your heart. God, as we read your word, God, as we, as we move through the book of Ephesians, God, we are completely open to whatever it is that you have for us. And God, for some of us today, it's to know you. God, I think for all of us, Lord, we, we know you to a certain extent, we do. We, we, we have an intellectual understanding, maybe we have an experience that, we, that we're holding on to that happened years ago. And, and so we, we all feel like we know you to some extent, but God, we are also very aware of the fact that, that you are vast. You are, you are much wider than we can understand. And God, we, we just, we know that and we trust in that. But God, there are certain things in all of us, God, that we need more understanding and we need wisdom in. And God, right now we ask, just like Paul did for the Ephesians, we pray for ourselves, for this church, that you would help us to know you, that you would help us, give us a spirit of wisdom in our families, in our workplaces, in the decisions that we have to make for the future. God, would you give us wisdom God, in, in the word of God, in the Bible, would you illuminate the scriptures? Would you give us wisdom and revelation into who you are? 
We open up our hearts to that, God. Help us to know the hope that you've given to us through Jesus. God, that, that there would just be moments during the day that that hope would come back alive in us. God, that we would not be distracted by all the things that we have going on. God, that we would have an understanding of the inheritance that we have in Christ, that it would really drive us, that eternity would be laid before us in a real way. Some of you right now, you're far from God, you don't know him, and this is a wonderful moment to say yes to following Jesus. Jesus came to this earth, son of God, lived a perfect life, died a terrible death, and was raised to new life again. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. And if that, if, if that message that he came to die for you is coming alive in your heart right now, that is the Holy Spirit that's saying, today's the day. It's time to say yes. Do you have it all figured out? Of course not. But it just makes sense. You know it's truth. So I wanna pray. You don't have to pray the, the words that I pray, but I wanna encourage you to pray. Say yes to Jesus. Come on, let's go to him right now and give your life to him. God, I just come to you humble right now. I'm broken before you. God, I give you all that I am. I thank you today for revealing Jesus to me, for revealing the cross to me that you have paid the price for my sin and my shame. And you have lifted me, raised me up, and given me new life. God, I, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin, the things that I've done that, that displease you. And God, today I pray that you would help me to repent and turn from unrighteousness and turn to righteousness. Thank you for clothing me in who you are. I thank you for that. I wanna live a life that, that, that glorifies you, that lifts you up in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, today was a good day, huh? Come on, thank you all. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, we have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, uh, you can check out all of our past sermons, all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi, and uh, even give to support those efforts of reaching more people. Be sure to connect with us on social media and to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching and hope to see you soon.